Please remain standing. Let's read our scripture together this morning. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. This is God's word. You may be seated. This is the third in a three-part series of messages that we've simply titled LifePoint 2023 because we couldn't think of anything creative or catchy. Um, but the purpose of this series has been to just kind of take a look at who, what God has been doing in the past, what he's doing currently, and, and what he might do in the future if we were to follow him with courage and faith. So today, looking forward, a visionary view. In the opening verses of this passage that we just read, Paul issues a warning and a clarification. He, he warns them first against being drawn in by those who want them to, who want to, uh, want them to submit to circumcision as a prerequisite to becoming a Christian. There were those in the church in those days, and I suspect some of them are still around, not the same people, of course, but people who think this way, who have been labeled Judaizers, who taught that in order for a Gentile to become a real Christian, he first had to become a Jew. And Paul calls them dogs. And in this case, in this context, I think he's speaking to those who are spiritual predators. The word dogs means different things in the New Testament and in, depending on context. But here I think he, he's speaking to those who are spiritual predators. He calls them evil doers. Uh, he calls them those who mutilate the flesh. And he clarifies authentic Christianity uh, for the Philippians. He says our worship, 
Our worship is inspired, enabled, and, and shaped by the Holy Spirit. Our glory, that is our confidence before God, is in Christ Jesus alone. Who he is, what he accomplished for us at the cross through his death and resurrection. And therefore, we Christians put no confidence in the flesh. And in this case, that means religion or in religious activity or in our own religious accomplishment, but only in Christ. Paul said that, that we stand in, to the Romans. He said, we stand in grace. We stand in grace. We, we put our feet firmly on the grace of God in Christ Jesus and we stand there. We don't put our weight into uh, our good works. We don't put our weight into uh, our religious accomplishment, our religious pedigree. And, and so Paul jumps off from here uh, in this passage to say, well, you know, I'd win that competition anyway. If anyone else thinks he has reason for the comfort, confidence in the flesh, well, I have more. And so he, he points to his Hebrew pedigree. He flaunts his religious resume, which was impressive. And Paul wanted his readers to understand that by any measure, he was a super Jew. And then having established his religious superiority, he just opens the lid of the garbage can and dumps all that in. Whatever was gained to me, he says, whether circumcision or being born into the tribe of Benjamin, that that very prestigious tribe, high Jewish pedigree or an impressive religious resume, all that I count as loss for the sake of Christ. I consider it worthless garbage. Nothing matters more to me in life, he says, than knowing Christ and gaining the true righteousness that comes not from adherence to religious law, but which comes only from God, is conferred only by God and only on the basis of personal faith in Jesus. And then he turns the corner and he says, I I still got a long way to go to become the person God had in mind for me when he saved me by his grace. But here's the thing. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching, no, straining, he says, forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And finally, he adds, if you're mature in your faith, you'll think this way. I think that's that's the gist of what he's saying there in that final verse. You, if you're mature, you're going to think this way. And if you don't think this way, well, then get ready for God himself to correct you. <laughs> and I love that, that statement. Reaching forward to what lies ahead. This principle of, of not resting on personal merit or past accomplishments but trusting only in Christ, forgetting what is behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, is as important and imperative in the life of a church as it is in the life of an individual Christ follower. This morning, we're we're talking about the forward look, the visionary view. And we're talking about vision as we, and as we do that, we're, we're affirming together that God, who called us into existence as a church, 
isn't done with us yet. That, that there's more that he wants us to be. There's more that he wants us to become. There's more that he has prepared for us to do as a community of believers as Christ lives his life in us and through us in the days and weeks and months and years ahead. And it's my privilege this morning um, in that light to to unveil to you a new vision statement for LifePoint Church that replaces the uh, the one that was drafted clear back in 2008, which uh, some of you have seen, maybe not. Um, but it's a new vision for a new day because I sense that God is doing a whole new thing. And, and, and we'd better dial into that and we better get on board with it. Here it is. Our vision is to make disciples who make disciples here, near, and far. Will you say that together with me? Our vision is to make disciples who make disciples here, near, and far. Again, our vision is to make disciples who make disciples here, near, and far. The Apostle Matthew recorded in the 28th chapter of his gospel, verses 18 to 20, what Christians have come to call the Great Commission. How many of you have heard that term, the Great Commission? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of you. That's good. Well, would you read this aloud with me? And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now who can tell me what the active verb is in verse 19? I'm hearing go. Any other, any other nominations? Make. That's correct. The active verb is make. Make disciples. Uh, go in, in the original text is as you are going. As you're going. It's so important that we understand there what, what that, the, what the active verb is that we would know what it is we're supposed to be doing. And I think for so long in my young life, when it, back when I actually was young, I actually actually did have black hair. Just want you to know that. Um, it was always presented as go. You're going to go, 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 go. And I thought, I, I'm not sure I want to go. Kind of like it here. Um, and I'm kind of afraid of, of where the rest of that sentence goes. Go go where? Africa? (laughs) Somewhere scary? The go in the original text is as you are going. Make disciples. Jesus knew they'd be going. So he said, as you're going, make disciples. Wherever you go, make disciples. And all the places you will go. And in each of those places, make disciples of those you find there. Baptize them. Call them into radical identification. 
and, and deep fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Let me ask you this morning, if that's the definition of a disciple, one who is baptized as an act of radical identification with God, with Jesus, and is learning to obey everything Jesus commands, are you a disciple? Does that describe you? Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey, to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. That's the calling of the church that Jesus had in mind for us to be. We are called to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And those disciples are in turn to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Somebody help me. Make disciples down through the ages until when? Until Jesus, the day that Jesus comes. That phrase, make disciples who make disciples, expresses the the biblical principle of spiritual reproduction. And I know of no other scripture verse that captures this principle of reproduction quite as well as 2 Timothy 2.2, where Paul wrote to Timothy, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. There's four generations of spiritual reproduction represented there. There was Paul, then there was Timothy, then there were the trustworthy people that that Timothy would teach, and then there are those to whom those would pass the faith on. See, in our, our conscious intentional goal as a church, whether we're talking about ministry with children or youth or adults, must be, must be, to produce genuine disciples of Jesus Christ, who in turn will be enabled by the Holy Spirit to exercise their giftedness and handle the Word of God in such a way that they produce more disciples. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said to his disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Where will we do this work of disciple-making? We will do it here, within the life and the rhythms and, and ministries, the community of Life Point Church. We'll do it near in our communities, in our state, across the nation. And we will do it far through international missions. So will you repeat it aloud with me again? Our vision is to make disciples who make disciples here, near, and far. Think you can remember that? We're also updating our statement of core values, those principles and commitments that give shape to the ways in which we carry out our mission and vision. Uh, They incorporate some of the what, but they also incorporate a lot of the how. 
Again, these have not until now been updated since our launch as a church in 2008. Uh, there are mercifully less of them now than then. Uh, they're shorter, they're more comprehensive, and I think they're easier to remember. And the first is this. We, we value God. Uh, we cultivate a lifestyle of daily fellowship with Him. Second, we value love. We nurture life-giving relationships in the church, in our marriages, and in our families, and generously extend hospitality to our guests. We're called to be a loving community. The third is truth. We're always asking, what does the Bible say? So that we can live authentic Christian lives. We don't want to be phony in our, in our Christian walk, in our Christian profession. We want, we want to live authentic Christian lives. It's not that it's easy. But the instruction is there in God's Word. Transformation is the fourth one. We surrender our lives to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit so that the life of Christ will be fully formed in us. And then finally, legacy. We invest our resources of time, talent, and treasure to make disciples here, near, and far. So our challenge now in in having drafted these and adopted these is to see these values woven into the fabric of our life together as a discipling community. Uh, I would add to that 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 these aren't new values. We didn't just start valuing these things this past week or this past month. They're things that we we genuinely value. And so I hope that you would, would be able to say, yep, that's... All of that is reflected here. Well, I want to share with you some of our visions for the ministry of LifePoint Church in the coming year. And this is just kind of a big overview. But I hope that you'll dial into some of these personally. Some of these will be uh, significant for you. Um, and maybe others of them will be more significant for others. But let's begin with children's discipleship, uh, the, the disciple-making that happens through our kids' life ministry, our, our ministry to children from birth through fifth grade. Our director is Emily Dean. Uh, Emily's vision, I had an opportunity to sit down with Emily uh, this past week and just kind of pick her brain a little bit about what she's thinking for the future about our children's ministry. Her vision for the coming year begins with, in her words, moving beyond surviving to genuinely thriving. Um, and, and, and in that is a, uh, an intimation that uh, it's a bit of a struggle right now. We just do not have adequate numbers of volunteers in our children's ministry. And uh, I, I hope that you will uh, take that to heart. I hope that you will take that as seriously as I do. I, I, as I think about our responsibility as a church that really begins with the children, not with the adults. We, we have a primary responsibility to see that the, the, the baton of faith is passed faithfully, uh, to the next generation. That the baton doesn't get dropped in the handoff, or the handoff actually never even happens. Yeah, and so, um, 
You know, that, that responsibility is, is woven into the, the text of scripture from beginning to end. I hope that you'll consider maybe whether God is calling you to serve in our children's ministry. Um, there are lots of ways to help. There, we need teachers. That's, that's always a given. We need helpers in the classroom. But there are lots of other ways for you to be involved in our children's ministry. And uh, things that happen during the week where you're just at home providing support to those who are going to serve on Sunday. And so, uh, you know, if God is nudging you in the direction of, of being a part of our children's ministry, uh, I hope you won't resist the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm not him. Uh, so... And I'm not going to pretend to be, but if the Holy Spirit is, is nudging you towards service in children's ministry, please, please don't put that off. Emily added that her hope is that in the coming year, kids at LifePoint will, and I thought this was poetic, kids at LifePoint will play more, laugh more, and love more while learning more from God's Word. I, I just love that. Play more, laugh more, love more, and, and oh, by the way, we're learning God's Word. Along the way. Um, to that end, Kids Life uh, is going to be enlisting, by God's grace, several new teachers and helpers and providing uh, orientation and regular training. That, that's our commitment to you. If, you. if you say yes to serving in children's ministry or anywhere, we will provide orientation, we'll provide regular training, we'll do everything that's in our power to help you be successful in that. Emily... Uh, said that she'd also like to begin building closer partnerships between kids' life and the parents of the children who attend. And and she describes it as creating a family room kind of environment. Um, so she hopes to offer frequent, highly relational community building events that involve both kids and parents interacting with each other. Emily and her team has already begun laying the groundwork for a kids' camp 2023, uh, mark your calendars. It's going to take place August 7 through 11. I want to urge you to consider participating in that, even maybe taking a week of vacation uh, to serve. I don't think you'll be uh, disappointed that you invested your vacation time that way to make a difference, an eternal difference in the lives of children. Last year, we had our highest registration yet for kids camp. And I actually thought it was the best camp we've had. And so we hope to be larger and better this year. But we will only do that as we do that together. So there's a place for you in our ministry of discipleship and the lives of children. We want to lead our kids to personal faith in Jesus very early in their lives and then lay that strong, broad foundation for a lifetime of following Jesus and being part of the community of the church. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're not getting much help in that goal from the schools. You notice that? We're not getting much help uh, in that from the media. Um, we're not getting much help uh, in that from the secular uh, music industry. The only place where kids are going to get nurtured in their faith is in a local church. And And so we have that responsibility. Let's Let's not be found unfaithful in that endeavor. Now, let's spend a little time talking about youth discipleship in 2023. 
Uh, our youth group here at LifePoint includes students from 6th through 12th grade. Uh, we currently offer a class on Sunday mornings during the 9 a.m. hour that's focused on study of the Bible, building community. We have a Wednesday night gathering at least once a month, frequent events to, to which the youth can invite friends and, and during which they have opportunity to build strong friendships together. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I think it was last week, Cindy Appleby has rejoined Casey Biggs uh, in leadership of our youth ministry, for which I am very, very thankful. A major goal of the coming year will be to rebuild our youth ministry team. And so we're praying that God will bring, God will call some spiritually mature men and women uh, who have the desire and the relational capacity to effectively engage and disciple teenagers. Notice that I didn't put an age parameter on that. Um, because it doesn't matter how old you are, uh, if, if you have the capacity and the desire to, to uh, be meaningful in the life of a, a young person, God will use you. Um, I remember when I was in middle school, uh, there was an older couple, and they looked ancient at the time. You know, I, when when you're young, you think everybody that's old is really old. They probably weren't as old as they seemed, but they loved us, and we loved them back. And so uh, you can make a difference in at any age in the life of a young person. Uh, another goal really is going to be to, as Emily said, within kids' life, is to build strong partnerships between our youth ministry volunteers and the parents of the youth themselves. And I've often said no one is more invested in the spiritual growth of teen- teenagers than their Christian parents. And uh, our youth ministry leaders need to hear from you. They need to be in partnership with you. Uh, that connection is a vital and necessary one. So so I'm asking you parents to help us make that connection. Uh, I'm going to call a meeting uh, sometime soon between you and our youth team to initiate a process of moving toward a closer partnership that will be a win-win for everyone involved. Third goal is to provide opportunity and encouragement for our youth to serve in, in the church, whether that's in kids' life or kids' camp or in any number of ways in the building, on the grounds. And, and part of Cindy's vision, uh, as we, she and I spoke the other day, and I share this vision, is to see our teenagers become involved in time in cross-cultural mission. And uh, you'll hear a little bit more about that in a moment. Well, what about adult discipleship? Um, we're going to continue to support our life groups that, from day one here at LifePoint, um, life groups have been a, a, a primary focus for adult discipleship and adult community. Uh, We will launch new groups as we have leaders and host homes. Um, There's planning going on for our men's and women's ministries. Not going to take time to talk about that right now, but you'll be hearing about uh, those things in the near future. Uh, on, On each of the past two Sundays, I have indicated to you that Bruce and Susan Ensign have been hard at work developing a new approach to adult discipleship for LifePoint Church. And this morning I want to invite Bruce to come and, and share with you something of what God has been putting on their hearts. So would you welcome Bruce Ensign? Thank you, Pastor Jim. Well, good morning. It's my privilege to talk to you about what I think is a really exciting thing. Um, and this new vision, uh, Make Disciples Who Make Disciples, here, near, and far, is just something that my wife and I really resonate with. 
And I've, I suspect a lot of you are like, well, what does that mean for me? What, what does that really mean? And uh, so listen up. Um, you know, I was just thinking about this context. Wherever we go, we want God to be using us. And we're really, I'm really talking about developing a mindset where we're praying for people around us that we interact with or just our neighbors and our neighborhoods, uh, people in the church and people outside the church. And, you know, when Paul was here and when Jesus was here on this earth, they were walking the earth looking for where God was active. Even Jesus said, I'm here to do the will of my Father. We want to develop that habitat, that habit and that mindset of, if I'm praying for people and I'm looking for where God wants to use me, I'm, I must believe in faith that he's working. And then I'm, I need to develop an attitude. Wherever I go, I want God to use me in this situation today. I want to be partnering with God. And so as you, as you go about your day, you know, you go to the hardware store, you go to the laundry mat, you go to wherever it is you go, Target, whatever, and, and you bump into somebody. This happens all the time. You just bump into people and, hey, how's it going? Well, imagine you're, you're there and this person you know, and you know they're not a Christian, but they share something really terrible that's just happened in their life. They just have cancer or some terrible news. And you can say, hey, can I pray for you? And just boldly and confidently when they say yes, just boom, pray for them. And just trust God's going to use your voice as you talk to him on the person's behalf that he'll awaken some spiritual curiosity in them. And then as you follow up with them a week or so later, say, hey, how's it going? Uh, maybe you could say, Hey, let's meet for lunch. I want to, I mean, I'm concerned for you. I want to, I want to support you in what way I can. And when you're there, just, you know, have you ever shared the gospel before? I mean, how, have you had the opportunity in the last month or week or year to share the gospel? You know, that's something that's kind of daunting to a lot of people. And, um, during this class, we're, we're going to be offering a class beginning in March and we'll be talking through and really taking the time for us to look at what kind of a mindset do we have about discipleship because discipleship is really about loving the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind and loving people around you enough to use your voice and to be participating with the Holy Spirit to help other people see the answers to the life's questions that they have. If you think about this whole last three years in the pandemic, people are so disillusioned and so discouraged, whether you're in the church or out of the church. And so discipleship is really about helping people see the answers to life's serious questions. And in 2 Corinthians 5, we're told that we have the ministry of reconciliation, and we are to be ambassadors of Christ. So that means taking what God has given us, the knowledge he's given, of, given to us, and sharing that with people around us. And so we're going to be asking God, the living God, to use his living word to work in us, his living people, to bring life and hope to people around us. And that can be daunting, and that can be faith-stretching. And so what we're going to be offering a course starting in March, and it's going to be several weeks, and uh, Jim's going to give some short sermons or lectures, and it's going to be mostly involved in hands-on activities. Well, how would you give your testimony? And how would you witness to somebody? I had an opportunity this last week. I met with a friend and I was able to just ask him, because I've been praying, Lord, help me to, where do you want me to use me? Do you have any spiritual beliefs? And he did. Well, who do you? Who's Jesus? And he knew all about Jesus, but he didn't know Jesus personally. So I was able to pull out the Bible and talk to him about uh, his need for Christ, why he would need that, how he could become saved. Now, he didn't become saved on that day, but I'm not giving up. I'm using this February 4th activity coming up to say, hey, why don't you come with me? And I've already asked him. I told him, I don't know the details yet where we'll get the snowshoes, but I just want him to come along so I can be just bringing a guy who's unchurched along to have a good time. 
So I'm looking to use my life, and, and I hope that's, that's something that you want. Is as we're just going, as Jim's talking about, as we're going through our life, we, we want to be looking for where is God moving and how can I use my life for his glory. I hope and pray that my friend comes to know Christ, and I hope and pray that people you know, that, you, that God gives you the privilege to talk to them and they come to know Christ. So the next steps after that would be, well, now they're going to start asking questions. So the Bible says this about this part of my life, and how do I, what, what does that mean? And you can say to them, you know, why don't we get together and study that together, and we can find out how to apply that to both of our lives. And as they continue to grow, you might begin to sense that, you know, this person really needs to have a regular study of the Bible. They're, they're not interested in studying a, joining a group because they, they're afraid. They're, you know, they're not comfortable with that. So, but maybe the Holy Spirit's prompting you to meet with that person on a regular basis and pick a book of the Bible and go through it. Maybe John or Ephesians or something. Would you know how to do that? So this class is really designed to help disciples make disciples. And so we'll, we'll have these short vignettes and we'll spend time practicing. Well, what is your testimony? How did you know? How, what was your life before Christ? How did you meet him? What has it meant to you since then? And we'll go through some material from sharing Jesus without fear where you can learn a series of questions to ask people, and they're easy to ask in any conversation, to assess whether God's alive and working in that person at that time. Is it time to go further or not? We'll learn how to use uh, tools of the, that help us study the Bible to then capture thoughts around answering questions people would have. We're going to look at spiritual gifts. What is your gifting? There'll be a gift test, and we'll talk about what that means. and what. what my hope is that you all find your spiritual gifts and can use them in a way that there's nothing as enriching um, as a Christian to use your gift for Christ. And um, so we'll be looking at opportunities for that, and we'll be um, really looking for God to do a work at us as well as in our community. So this is kind of what, uh, kind of a vision. I hope you can kind of catch the vision of what it means to be a disciple who makes disciples. You know, a lot of people talk about how dark it here is, is here in Thurston County, Olympia, and this whole state. But really, we have to look at, Part of that is maybe because we have been silent. As Jim said, disciples make disciples. And it's amazing how a new Christian, how excited they get. They go home and tell their friends. They don't know all this stuff. They just start And other people come to know Christ just because they're using their mouth. And that's what God is calling us to do, is just open our mouth and talk. Because it is through hearing the gospel that people are saved. Now, I know I've talked a lot about you know evangelism, but discipleship isn't just evangelism. We need the gospel taught to each other, too, because we often get discouraged or we, we come into a struggle. We realize, you know, other people can look at that from outside and go, you know, they, they say they believe, but they're not really applying these, these principles. So how can I, how can God use me to help that person see something in their life that they say they believe, but they don't look like it? For example, something bad may have happened to them, and they start getting their identity from the things that have happened to them rather than getting their identity in Christ. And God might ask you to go along and say, hey, you know, we need to talk about this. And so we're going to be practicing some of that as well. So this class is going to have a lot of practical application, places for you to safely practice and ask God to use you and transform you in new ways. So again, we're asking God to use us as living people, to use his living word to bring a ministry of reconciliation and life and hope to people in our church as well as people in our community. So that'll be starting in March. Uh, if you have questions, feel free to ask me uh, or Jim or anyone else. Thank you. Thanks, Bruce.
Very excited about that. Some of you will recall that last summer we experimented with uh, some midweek family nights on Wednesday evenings. Uh, those evenings included dinner here at the church, followed by a brief time of worship together, followed next by gatherings for children and youth and adults. Uh, a significant number of you participated in those evenings together, and and uh, when we did the evaluation at the end, the, the reviews were just through the roof um, unanimously. And so based on that very positive feedback, we've decided that we're going to reintroduce Family Nights this spring on Wednesday evenings, uh, beginning the 1st of March and running through May 24th from 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, there's going to be activities for children. Our youth group will meet, uh, and, and this is where we will roll out this new adult discipleship study. So why are we doing this? There, there are several um, reasons. First, we, we've seen firsthand that, that Family Nights offer an excellent venue for just getting to know each other, um, each other's families at a level that, that we really can't on Sunday mornings. And secondly, for that reason, we believe that Family Nights will enable us to engage conversations build deeper and stronger community within our church family. I was speaking with one of our uh, new young uh, men in the church, and he was saying that he and his wife are just really longing for deeper community. And uh, so that's all about what, what Wednesday nights are really going to be all about. Third, um, family nights make it possible for more of us to participate because they you know, if you have young children, you don't have to hire a babysitter for your kids. Uh, you can just come and, uh, and, uh, we'll have a meal together and, uh, they will be well taken care of. Fourth, it, it provides an opportunity that, that we think will be conducive to spiritual growth for, uh, everyone, the kids, the youth, and all of us as adults. Fifth, it's our hope that this format will allow us to engage um, a number of adults, a large number of adults, in this course that Bruce and Susan are preparing um, faster. So we can kind of get fast-tracked into that, get through it, get a jump start on the goal of every adult at LifePoint having the opportunity over time to work through this process of spiritual establishment, grounding, and growth. So exciting uh, opportunity. So I hope that you'll mark your calendars March 1 through May 24th, Wednesday nights, 6 to 8 p.m. Let's talk a little bit about missions. I, I don't know if you realize it, but we've, we've now been located at 1416 26th Avenue Northeast, uh, 98506 for a period of three years. Can you believe that? Been three years. Most of those three years uh, have been experienced under the shadow of the COVID pandemic. Uh, now that we're coming out from under that shadow, we've realized that, that we ought to make a conscious and tell, intentional goal to become a neighborhood church. That is a church that makes serving the needs of people who live in the Northeast Olympia community a matter of first priority. Um, it doesn't mean we're going to neglect anybody else, but but we believe that God wants us to bloom where we're planted, that, that he wants us to serve uh, those who are around us and represent Christ well to them. And so to that end, we're going to seek to make deeper inroads to the schools in Northeast Olympia. We started doing that before COVID. 
COVID kind of put the damper on all of that. But Roosevelt Elementary, Boston Harbor Elementary, Reeves Middle School uh, are going to be hearing from us. We'll, we'll plan. And, and by the way, we've, we've already uh, done some work at Christmas time. We, we uh, supported a number of families at Reeves. Um, and so there's already some, some relationships being built. Katie Myrick is leading that charge. We're going to plan and we're going to carry out some prayer walks this spring in uh, Northeast Olympia neighborhoods with the goal of seeing and sensing the deeper needs of people who live here. Just asking God to show us what are the needs? How, how, how can we serve this neighborhood better? Uh, we want to create events on our church campus and in our buildings to which we can invite the neighborhood. And uh, among those will be what we're calling Big Sundays. Um, those are going to happen on February 12th, April 30th, July 30th, and December 31. And what do those dates all have in common? They're all fifth Sundays. They're in months where there are five Sundays. So, so we're choosing those Sundays. And um, those are going to be specifically designed for guests. And we're just going to encourage you to invite friends and neighbors. Uh, we're going to incorporate some seasonal fun and food into those days. Um, and uh, so mark those or just look for those fifth Sundays uh, on the calendar, February 12, April 30, July 30, December 31. Then what about international missions? At present, LifePoint Church supports three missionary couples uh, in three very different parts of the world. And by supporting, I mean that we send them financial support each month. And uh, so there's there's a check that goes out. We have amount an amount that's budgeted uh, that is sent out from our uh, direct budget. And then many of you give over and above to some of these missionary families, and, and that money gets added to the check that we send them each month. But our, our three missionaries are, first of all, go to the next one. Ian and Maki Smith in Japan, you've heard us talk about them. Ian is a native of Olympia. Uh, this past year, God gave him this beautiful bride, and uh, we're happy for them. Uh, they're going to be home this summer, is my understanding, and so you'll get an opportunity to meet them. But uh, they're doing church planting and uh, other things. Ian is a, a good preacher, and so I understand he's doing a lot of preaching at present in various churches. They just moved by the house in a place called Wakayama. I have no idea where that is, but I can pronounce the word. Let's go to the next one. Will and Katie Lowry uh, are in Birmingham in the UK. I I couldn't find a really good picture of them, but um, or any picture for that matter, um, that I could use this morning. So I, I took this picture. This is actually in Birmingham, UK. Um, kind of an amazing uh, you, you see the, the contrast between the old and the new there. Um, and Birmingham is just that kind of place. And uh, they're doing, they're working with an organization called AT3, which is Alliance for Theological Training. And I'm not sure what the other T is, but <laughs> there's an A and three Ts, but Alliance for Theological Training and working with uh, prospective pastors and, and current pastors and um in that post-Christian culture of England. And then Josh and Ashley Seiler Freeman. You guys knew Ashley before you knew Josh. You don't even know Josh. Uh, Marcy and I had the opportunity to meet them last summer in Colorado 
at a conference and a delightful couple. Um, I heard yesterday that Josh is going to be taking over the leadership of what is known as the Six Degree Initiative, uh, a team, a coalition of missionaries and supporting churches, uh, for the, for the ministry there in Togo. Um, but exciting stuff. Togo is in the, is the heart of voodoo. And so it's a very, very pagan, very, very dark, um, country. But we have had the opportunity now of having a partnership with Ashley, uh, Seiler, now Freeman, uh, for several years. And we're excited about that continuing partnership. Well, this past weekend, actually this weekend, uh, this past Friday evening, a good portion of yesterday, uh, a team of people who are part of LifePoint Church participated in a coaching session that was facilitated by a, a guy named Jimmy Smith uh, from Converge International Missions. His wife's name is Amanda. They are Jimmy and Amanda as well. <laughs> Learned that. Um, he's from Converge International Missions. Uh, Converge is the move, the, the worldwide movement uh, with which LifePoint Church is affiliated, which, with which, uh, from whom, from which each of these three sets of missionaries have been uh, commissioned. Um, and the goal of this coaching process that, that we've engaged, and, and this weekend was the beginning of it, is, is really to assess the unique DNA of our church for engagement in world mission. And the long-term goal is to, to, to be able to focus our uh, international missions investment in people and places and projects that really match our DNA, our, our abilities as a congregation, our set of skills and expertise that can be brought to bear uh, on uh, for international mission. And, and then that will allow maximum ownership of an active participation in that focus by our entire congregation, children, youth, and adults, so that uh, year-round we are involved at some level, whether that activity is taking place here at home or we're sending people to the field uh, so that they can uh, see it firsthand, participate in what's going on there. And, and that's where I really am excited about the possibility of being able to send not only adults, but teenagers as well. And uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm so excited about where this is going. And we don't know exactly yet what that focus will be, where it will be. But I think all of us were inspired and challenged by the weekend. We're looking forward to seeing this process through. Uh, we'll keep you posted on our progress. It's going to take a, a few months before we have kind of a final um sense of, of what it is we're going to be about. But please pray for our team and our team coordinators, uh, Abiud and Kenny Faliki. And then very quickly, facilities. Last fall, uh, we contracted with an architect to design the build-out of the pastor's offices upstairs. And, and the reason we contracted with an architect is that there are some 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 technical things that we really believed we needed some help with and we wanted to do do it all by the book. And we've received enough money through your giving to the Vision Next Fund to complete that construction, and we'll put the project out for bid when the plans are complete. But if you've never seen that space and you're curious, if you just go to the top of the stairs, 
uh, at the back and take hang a right at the top and go straight ahead. You'll see a door there, and, and there's a huge room that's the, the, the width of this building, and we're going to subdivide that into three offices, and we're uh, we're pretty excited about that. I think Evan's probably especially excited because he works at a table in a classroom every day. Um, and, I, and I work up there in uh, remoteness and behind a curtain. And the pay, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain uh, kind of mindset it happens here. So um, we also asked the architect to design an awning over our main entrance. Um no fun to stand out there in the rain. And uh, this is the artist's rendering of how it might look. Um, go to that next slide. It's another angle. Uh, I love what they did with the grass, don't you? The, I think they torched it. I'm not sure, not sure what they did there, but we won't have to mow. That's, that's good. Um, as of yet, we don't have uh, any estimate of what the actual cost of construction of something like this would be. Uh, you heard last week that our, our giving is down, and, and I want you to know that we're not going to move forward on this unless and until we have the finances to do it. Um, we have no intention to incur further indebtedness uh, as a church. Dependent upon uh, where we are in our giving, um, the elders may come to us later in the year with a plan in which we can all participate financially to uh, to see that come to fruition. Uh, still to come are some decisions about the duplex, which is the, the building that's immediately across the driveway here. Um, the portables, which are, we have four of them back there. Um, and then the barn, the beautiful barn out there. Uh, our, our vision for the duplex is really that it might be remodeled into a multi-purpose kind of venue that, that could serve as an adult classroom or a meeting room. Uh, a social gathering space, maybe we would have a small cafe kind of environment out there, or a room that we can make available to our neighbors uh, who are looking for a place to have a special event and in that way serve our our neighborhood. Uh, the four portables, uh, one has been remodeled, houses our youth ministry, portable number one. The other three are currently used as storage, uh, and uh, each of them is in significant need of rehabilitation and uh, if we hope in time to use them for something other than storage. So um, they, they now house um, families of rodents, among other things. So, uh, And our vision for the, the barn is, is still unclear. It's a, uh, some people see it as a charming presence on our property. Others see it as an eyesore. But, but it too will require significant financial investment and physical effort to transform it into something that's safe and useful. I'll add that when we bought this property, it, it didn't really fully register with me that, that we would, uh, be finding a new, new careers in forest management. But, um, the LifePoint Woods, we have about f- almost four acres of wooded property out there. If you've never been out there, you should go out and there's trails. You can walk the trails. It's quite lovely out there. There's a stream that runs through the ravine and it's running hard this time of year. So it's, it's a fun place to be. But, um, those woods do require frequent attention 
especially in the winter when branches and, and entire trees come down in the wind and the rain. So we, we really need to recruit and appoint a dedicated team of people who will just own that and will just take it and say, we're going to do this, um, and maintain the beauty and the safety of our forested areas. Then in the area of staffing, and I know the, the hour is getting late here, so, um, there's the fellowship, right? Um, our current staff includes myself, Evan Appleby, Kathy Pruitt, Emily Dean, and Stephen Smith. Uh, while Emily and Stephen will continue in the roles that they currently occupy, there are some shifts that that we uh, think are needed. Evan, as you know, is our worship pastor. Uh, how many of you guys like Evan? Some of you. Some people don't like you here. Um, but in recent years, he's taken on more and more of the overall responsibility for the day-to-day operations of our church. And in that light, he's moving in the direction of taking on the title of executive pastor. And in that role, uh, if the elders approve it, he would continue to oversee the operational side of things and be responsible to oversee the rest of the staff. Kathy Pruitt joined our staff as administrative assistant and bookkeeper. Uh, as you may be aware, uh, she's she is a multi-gifted, multi-talented leader, who has been an amazing addition to our staff. Kathy would like to move away from her administrative role to become what we probably would call director of discipleship with oversight responsibility for our various discipling ministries to children, youth, and adults. I am personally very supportive of that vision. I'd like to see that happen this year. But again, it would be contingent on whether the level of our giving increases Uh, to a level where we could hire a part-time administrative assistant to assume those responsibilities that Kathy would need to relinquish. Um, Additionally, and importantly, I think the time has come, this is so important for us to call someone, whether part-time or full-time, to give more focused attention to, uh, focused leadership to our youth ministry. Um, This would not at all preclude volunteer participation. In fact, my guess would be that that if we had a a part-time or full-time uh, director or pastor of youth ministry, uh, it would heighten in time our need for additional volunteers to serve on the staff. Um, and I, I'll just say my, my hope and my prayer is that our giving might rise to a level this year where that vision could be realized. Organization. Just a few shifts that I want you to know about um, in terms of we've kind of created some some new areas of, of ministry and leadership. Um, in the area of facilities, of course, Pastor Evan, that, that comes under his uh, oversight, as do the creative arts, uh, which include uh, the web and tech and the creative team, worship team, communication, photography, videography, all of those kinds of things uh, are also under Pastor Evan. Uh, Greg Volkart, who's one of our elders, uh, has taken over the leadership of our prayer ministry and is uh, doing some development there. Uh, we established this year the beginnings of um, what we're just calling caring ministries, pastoral care, and uh, Mara Gunn has taken over the leadership of that. We're thankful for her, and she's doing a, a great job. International Mission, Abiodun and Kenny Feliki are wrapping their arms around that. Um, Abiodun is also one of our elders, and we're thankful for them. In local mission, uh, Katie Myrick is continuing to work in the area of 
backpacks for the homeless, uh, liaison to uh, the schools, and uh, she's just uh, the energizer bunny, uh, you know, uh, in in regard to those things. Uh, also, uh, we have a liaison to the City Gates Ministry, which is a street ministry for to homeless people, low-income people, and Diana Cornaccia uh, is our liaison there. Uh, discipleship, the name at the top of that column at present is Kathy Pruitt, because we hope in time that she would be able to take that over. And then in guest connections and hospitality, Bill and Colleen Mikesell are are heading that up. Let me close with this last area, and it's prayer. It's prayer. There, There's no more important investment of time than that which we spend in prayer. Uh, all of this, none of this is going to happen except by prayer. If the Holy Spirit is going to accomplish these things through us, it will be because we pray. Prayer is the great gift of God. It's the essential key to effectiveness in ministry. And so we have a Tuesday night prayer group that that meets here in the building. I'm forgetting now what time they meet. Evan, what time is that? 6 o'clock? 5.30? 6 o'clock? 6 o'clock prayer group Tuesday nights. Um, Our life groups need to be places where we're praying. Uh, mentioned uh, that we're going to be doing some prayer walks in the spring, but we just need a movement of prayer to to spread throughout our congregation and and just to ask God to accomplish these things, to provide these things. Uh, without that, uh, we're just uh, we're just striving. And then finally, as I close this morning, I want to again challenge you in the area. Of giving. I've mentioned this several times this morning. I mentioned it last week. You know, everything you and I have is on loan from God. Have you ever think about it that way? That, that what you have, your, your income, your home, your clothing, your, all your stuff, it's all on loan from Him. Um, the real question from our side, uh, ought to be, Lord, what would you have me do with the things that you've given me on loan? I mean, he's the owner, right? We're, we're the, we're simply the managers of his money and his property and his stuff. How do you want me to invest, Lord, what you've blessed me with for the sake of your kingdom? And you know what? Whenever the Bible speaks on the subject of our financial stewardship, the broader context always points not to what God wants from you, but what he wants for you. Things like peace and provision and prosperity, the, the contentment of knowing that, that you're managing his resources in the way and for the purposes he has directed you to manage them. There's great peace that comes from that. So how are you doing at that? I want to ask you, if, if, if God's been moving in your heart this morning, if he's stimulated some anticipation, some excitement about what he could accomplish through this church this year as we remain faithful to our calling, I want to invite you to consider the level of your current giving. In your program this morning is is this card. Uh, i ask you to pull that out. But I want to ask you, do you possess that peace? Do you possess that confidence that 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 God is pleased with the way that you're managing his resources? Does does your giving to God reflect a, a prioritized, planned, purposeful, proportional approach? See, God says in his word, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this and see if I will not pour out for you a blessing such as you cannot contain. 
Some of you know this morning that that word tithe literally means 10% of your overall income. And, and God intends that, that our financial stewardship be proportional. Whether you embrace that 10% number or, or, or some other number, God intends that our financial stewardship be proportional to that with which he has blessed us. Proportional to that which would, uh, with which he has, uh, given us on loan. And some of you may be saying this morning, well, here's another preacher just asking me for my money. Uh, maybe I am. I guess I am. But it's not your money. It's his. And, and, um, I want you to know that this morning, this morning that if you obey God, if you give generously, my salary is not going to change. It stays the same. Elders are stingy. They're just stingy. No, they're not. They're not. But my income's not going to, 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 to go up because you decide to give more, nor is Evans, nor is anybody else on our staff. We're all in a, a salaried or hourly income. That's not what this is about anyway. Where your treasure is, Jesus said, there will your heart be also. And, and the reason, the reason that, that I'm not shy about saying these things as boldly as I'm saying them is this. This thing that Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you want to know where your heart really is, look where you're putting your treasure. That's it. And, and, and one day I, I looked at that and I went, there's a spiritual principle. There's a principle of, of Christian discipleship. And from that time on, I have not been shy about talking about this subject because uh, it's just like any other spiritual discipline in our lives. God calls us to be givers. Can you imagine what God could do through LifePoint Church if each of us was faithful to give back to God what he asks, what he simply asks for? There would be no lack of anything that we need to fulfill our calling as a church. No lack at all. Uh, No lack of resources to reach our community and our world. This growing darker by the day with the life-transforming, eternity-securing message of hope that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This card, as you see, says 90-day giving challenge. It says at the top, trusting in God's faithfulness to his promises, I'm choosing to increase my giving to God through LifePoint Church over the next 90 days to the present, to the percentage of my income indicated below. We're not asking for a, an actual dollar number, just a percentage. I'm taking LifePoint's leadership up on their commitment to refund 100%, 100% of the amount I have given with no questions asked if at the end of the 90 days I have not experienced God's blessing, whether financial or otherwise. This is between you and God. I'm the only person that's going to see these cards. Um, but um, if you would fill that out, you can, if God's, leading you in this way, that you would put that in the offering box at the back. Before you do that, just tear off this piece here and keep it for yourself uh, so you remember your commitment, put it in a place you're going to see it uh, regularly um, to be reminded uh, of this new commitment you're making to God. Let's pray together. Lord, I, I thank you. For your word, I thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of the family of God. Thank you that you have adopted us as your children. Thank you that that you choose to use the likes of us, sinful, ordinary, everyday people, 
to accomplish the work of your kingdom in the world. And Lord, I just pray that we might be found faithful. Lord, we know that you're coming soon, that uh, there's going to be a day soon when we'll hear that trumpet sound and, uh, and we'll be out of here. Now, Lord, we pray that until that day, we would be found faithful in being and doing all that you intended when you first thought of us and for which you saved us with the blood of Christ. We thank you that uh, you have preserved us through the COVID-19 pandemic. And Lord, we, we look forward to what you have in mind now for us in this new era. Amen.